I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 country stay connected with customers and coworkers using one, uno, easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business to get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, and call reporting, EMOS, all for a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12-pack to get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, the official ASU podcast. This show. This show, at least. No, your podcast source is Pac-12 Football News, the home of the Beta Rate College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 Gambling Advice and with William Hills' Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger. I, 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 wanted, I want to say two things before we start, because we're going to get into the best Pac-12 off-season games, uh, or pre, uh, non-conference games, non-conference games. And that should be fun. We did the we did this last week, and it went over very well. Uh, the first thing was I sent out that podcast a little late, a little late. So we were talking about Sam Neuer and, uh, and t- about how you know he'll probably play not quarterback at, at a maybe in a non power five school, and then immediately get swept up by Oregon State. So that's what happened. That's shame on me. Shame <laughs> yeah. on me. <laughs> uh, and then the ASU news dropped about like two days after we recorded. So have a lot to cover, and to do that, I am with as always, Mr. Rob. Bauer and the uh, president, CEO, general counsel of Sharp College Football. Rob, how are you? I'm, I'm good. Uh, I, I'm excited. I actually, I was looking um, at Josh Furlong, who covers the Utes in, uh, for, I believe, the Tribune in Salt Lake. Um, he had tweeted out today that the line for that Washington-Michigan game, Michigan's favored by 1.5 now. Oh, um, which I thought was, I mean, we talked about that game <clears throat> last time. Um, and I thought, I th- I found that odd to have even at home Michigan favored in that game by the odds. May I mean, and, and that line may have moved, um, but Ohio state is up to a 10 point favorite over Oregon. That's a lot. I mean, I know they're going through that, a that's lot. That's what I said. That is a lot. I mean, not that I don't, I mean, I, I would have the Buckeyes favored, but that's a lot. Huh? Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Because you know, it was interesting. I was listening to the Cover Three podcast with Bud Elliott and some other guys, and one of the things that he was talking about is like, you know, you know that your model is good when your model is pumping out numbers that Vegas is pumping out, and if your if your model is significantly off, that's probably on you, not on Vegas. And I think Beta Rank yeah. has really nailed a lot of lines, but they're also at the same time. I kind of mentally push back in my mind because there's been times where Beta Rank has just been on top of a team more so than Vegas, and it takes Vegas a while to catch up, and that often happens earlier in the season um, when when Vegas is just kind of, you know, fl- floating around trying to figure out what's going on. But um, anyway, that, that's interesting. I'm curious to see what that line finally ends up at. But 10 is a lot. Even Man, I mean, don't get me wrong. Ohio State is awesome. And we saw a lot of issues with the Oregon defense. But double digits, man. Who, who buddy? <laughs> Keep a lie on that. And that Ohio State defense stunk last year you know i mean that's that's the kind of i mean you know in in oregon for the most part played iowa state a pretty good team pretty tough last season so that that's so bizarre because ohio state i think that line opened at seven right and it's popped three points yeah yeah Ooh. Ooh. meanwhile in tempe rob um yeah, this story is like I, I know I know that obviously there has been some uh, some issues in the way that certain coaches have been treated at ASU and, and all that. Yeah, yada yada yada. 
Um, all that said, I, I, it, I just found her more endearing after all this. <laughs> he just gave zero, zero craps. Come on in, man. Water's warm. COVID, <laughs> just come up the back stairs, baby. Hey, uh, hey, you know, uh, Mr. Edwards, maybe we should turn the cameras up. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. And and here we are. I, so I, I didn't read the, the whole athletic article. I read some, um, I don't have an athletic subscription, but I read a lot of the articles that were based off of that. And just the details of that are fascinating question. I'm, t- I'm trying to find the, the right term for it, but I, they were certainly entertaining, Rob. I mean, the, the parts that make this, that jump out, right? If you are, if you follow college football very closely is the fact that there was a staff, a former staff member that sent in the DOS, I mean, the dossier. I feel like we're talking about like the uh, something that <laughs> was sent to the FBI, <laughs> but it was sent into the compliance office at ASU with, I mean, receipts, pictures, you know, itineraries for recruits, pretty extensive, you know, bit of wrongdoing. And then <clears throat> on top of it, then too, you also have, you know, some former coaches, you know, some former, maybe not coaches, but staffers too. Let's say staffers, because I, I think that's more of an all encompassing term. And it's definitely what was used in the stories. You know, there's some former staffers that, I mean, lined up to talk to reporters about <laughs> wrongdoing. Um, and, you know, who said people would line up to talk to the NCAA. And that is almost unheard. I mean, no one in the profession lines up to talk to the NCAA. And then the other part was that, I mean, like David Shaw was on the record like that day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, coaches on, on coaches when it comes to, you know, recruiting scandals like NCAA stuff at other schools – they normally have like a pretty good no comment type policy, you know, like that kind of thing. Or if they, I mean, they might try to be sort of funny about it, but you know, as, as funny as a lot of coaches can be, but Shaw was on the record and spitting fire. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember who else they got in the conference. Um, and either that Yahoo or the athletic pieces there. Um, but it was, I mean, the second athletic, so the, the, the first details that came out were in that first athletic piece from Doug Haler and then Pete Thamel at Yahoo had more details later in the day. And then the next day, uh, Haler had, um, you know, a, a report that not only were they investigating and there's like 30 recruits that they have listed as coming, like, you know, during, during the dead period. So not like, I mean, it was to the point in the article, like, as you referenced of like, it was happening so often they couldn't, they didn't even bother turning off the cameras because it was just like an everyday occurrence. Like, ah, it's just, it's too much work to do this, you know, turn this camera on and off all the time. <clears throat> but they had also potentially paid out for recruits to, you know, to visit, uh, you know, uh, during a bowl, one of the bowl games, the, that bowl game where they lost to Fresno state, um, that, Arizona state had paid for recruits, um, you know, travel expenses to go to that game. I mean, those are quite, I mean, just, and I don't like, I mean, if you're in Arizona, like, I, we're, I don't want to sound like we're piling on it. Like just the recruiting violations during the dead period are a very serious violation. The fact that they it was so consistent and so brazen, <laughs> like, and you could tell, I mean, like other, other coaches are pissed about this and are going to fully expect the NCAA to hit hard. Um, but I guess the part that amazes me, Brian, in this, um, is that they, they thought that they wouldn't get caught. Like, even if you don't have a staffer turning you in, if you're expecting 17 year old, 30, 17 year olds and their families <laughs> not to talk about this at seven on seven camps. And when they're visiting other schools, just seems like a bet I wouldn't make. <laughs> Oh, it's wild. And I think the the most entertaining thing for me is that this is all playing out like a murder mystery, you know, where like clearly Antonio Pierce just pissed everybody off. So, you know, oh, yeah. you, you set up the mystery and they're all in the house and all the family members are all conniving and, and the dad is, is the a-hole that's treated everybody poorly. And I could just see all the former coaches like in their own little room, like furtive looking around, like all menacingly. I just think it's so ridiculous because nobody like oftentimes from everything I've read, 
when something this explosive happens, usually there's like one or two people that are like, oh, that person definitely was probably the person that dropped it. In this case, nobody knows which disgruntled ASU former employee dropped him because there are so many. Like, I just, that's the thing that just really blew my mind, uh, in addition to how brazen this all was. And, And look, I... I think, again, I think it's more endearing for, for Herm, dude. Herm just sitting back, just, just cracking skulls and, and winning games and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the rules be damned. But, uh, like, so I'm not really trying to pile on ASU, but, like, they are in trouble. Like, this is going to be a problem, oh, just yeah. like you said. So, um, and, and I saw a tweet from our friends at Addicted to Quack that were, were kind of uh, uh, piling on ASU, and I was quickly like, hey, hey. <laughs> you and that black pot over there let's calm down a little bit before we start piling <laughs> yeah. on other teams here so uh, you know this is something clearly that happens um all over college football but uh likely not in the middle of a pandemic and just based on um some guys that like i follow that are they're in on uh the the creative ways shall we say in which the people recruit um and they even they were saying like look sec teams got their hands slapped pretty quickly on just having yeah like virtual tours of their campus. And that's not to say that, you know, behind the scenes, maybe they, they did some stuff. I'm sure they did, but it was the over and over like blatant casting aside of the rules. And and you could tell that it was so bad because when this came out, uh, it wasn't just, um, uh, it wasn't just David Shaw, but like some, some of the folks that we know that are more plugged into the programs, like, Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. All that <laughs> like it just kind of, uh, it, it wasn't that, Oh, you know, some Oh, maybe ASU did this thing. It was just like, Oh yeah. ASU got caught for <laughs> breaking the rules yeah. like nobody's business. So, um, I don't, do you, well, it's, do, some, it's something that's like, I mean, it's, you know, normally I mean, and we've covered a little bit of the college basketball scan. I mean, we covered a lot of it at wildcat radio, you know, but like the, the kind of stuff that goes on in college football is more often a little more like the Tennessee stuff, right? Where like, there's a, you know, a, a you know, the, the, the bag the McDonald's bag full of money, right? <laughs> the, you know, and that's, that's booster money, right? Like that's not football program money. So to have, I mean, football programs are a little more um, at a distance at arm's length from a lot of the cheating that is alleged in, you know, around college football than it is in college basketball. Um, so I, I was, I was a little shocked to be frank, to find like, just to find like this kind of a brazen breaking of the rules by a staff, you know? Cause like, I mean, if you remember like what old miss went, I mean, like, I mean, some of the stuff that people have gotten busted for in football recruiting, like where the staff is involved, like it just seems like the smallest of small potatoes, right? Like t-shirts at old miss tattoos at Ohio state, like, you know, like this is, this stuff is serious. Like, and, and the fact that they did it so brazenly, like the dead period stuff is, you know, like, yeah, there were some schools early on that got their hands slapped for still having, you know, people visiting, uh, by the NCAA, but most of that was cut out. And like, this is something that most coaching, almost every coaching staff in America really adhered to. Um, and I, I mean, like, I mean, it's one of the it's one of the ones like when I first heard the rumors, you know, going around about ASU uh, that it was ASU on this and what they had done. I just like, and, and as soon as we kind of figured out what it was, I, I I actually thought it was like some other coaching staff had turned them in because there's no way you'd keep this quiet. The the uh, the other thing that, um, and hopefully it didn't come to this, but that whole staff got COVID. Like, were they recruiting right before that or okay, like no. during that? Or, I mean, they had like a bunch of games canceled, right? Oh my gosh. It's just, they're going to drop the hammer on this. Well, unfortunately, Herm's- I mean, I'm not like, I mean, we'll see how it shakes out for ASU in this, of course. Like, we're not, you know, experts, but like this one in particular feels like a case that the NCAA in particular, because they seem to have insight. And that's one of the main things here is that they appear to have like inside sources on this. Like, they're going to have it. It feels like they might have an abundance of evidence. Yeah. I'm curious to see, I think in, um, five years ago, seven years ago, Herm would be gone. I mean, maybe not right now, but like, you know, the writing would be on the wall. The, the thing, and and I think he's, I think he'll probably have to leave at the same time. (laughs) We have seen these last six years, the playbook oh is to vehemently deny and um, the facts be damned and force somebody to make a decision. So I'm curious if uh, her. I mean, what's uh, Will Wade still the coach? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <LSU>. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Matt Gates is still in Congress, right? I mean, like, there's just a lot. Of, that's true. <laughs> I think uh, I it, think it, that's been the playbook for. I mean, it's it's been all over the place where it just seems like that's yeah. type tends to be where where people are going. I don't know. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, yeah, I mean, but it definitely feels like. I mean, if this holds up, you know, like that, you know, Herm's Herm's likely gone. Antonio Pierce is likely gone, and they're both getting show cause penalties. Yeah. Um, you know, which for Herm is probably less of a big deal. You know where he's at retirement wise anyway. Um, but for Antonio Pierce, like his, his, uh, you know, ex Arizona wildcat, Antonio Pierce, <laughs> you know, and an all American to boot. And he was the coach. What LA school was he the head coach, high school coach at? Was it Poly? Long Beach Poly, I think. Yeah, it was probably was Long Beach Poly. I mean, his, his, his college career is going to flame out. And he was looked at as in some ways as like a little bit of a rising star and he'd moved up that ASU staff really fast. Yeah. And I think that was the problem, right? Like when you read the reports, it just seems like a lot of the darts were thrown at Pierce. It was more oh, like yeah. Pierce was the problem and Herm allowed it. Like Herm wasn't cracking yep. down on it. That's That seems to be the dynamic there. Um, I'm sure more details will come out, but oh my gosh, what a story. And um, it, it makes our summers much less, uh, much less boring. <laughs> so I thought we were going to be set like with our, I mean, with the way our scheduling worked out. I mean, Brian, you know, I've just started a new job. You're starting a new, you know, job ish, you know, like there's, there's like, you know, so there's, we're often a little busy right now, despite the fact that it's the off season. I thought we'd be set for like another story coming out. <laughs> on this ASU thing before we recorded and there hasn't been a peep from reporters, you know, in a, in a week. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, maybe it was just all at one time. <laughs> you know, here, yeah. here it is. There's nothing else. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that to see, you know, uh, the stuff that moves. Um, a couple more things to cover. Like I had said in the very beginning, uh, Sam Neuer over to Oregon state that, I mean, I get it, right. You want to, you want somebody other than chance Nolan to be your backup. But, um, man, you just, I would just assume with the offense that Jonathan Smith is running that maybe there was a better option out there. I mean, again, like love Sam Neuer thought that he was super fun. Um, but I just don't think he's a power five quarterback that can get you to the next level. But, but if he's, if he's the backup, then, you know, um, we saw what Nolan brought to the table and I could see why Oregon state would go out and get somebody. I just assumed that they'd go out and get, um, maybe a different, a different player, but you know, I I hope I hope Neuer's awesome there. I thought it, I thought it was you know I mean like so Lynn Grimm, the the offensive coordinator he recruited Neuer at Colorado as a quarterback, um, and so there's bound to be some level of comfort there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean uh, I said a lot of dumb stuff on the last podcast <laughs> in retrospect <laughs> about him maybe not even getting another job as a quarterback at the FBS and. I mean, it felt like, I mean, I, we barely finished recording and he was at Oregon state. So, uh, yeah, Mia Copa, that was a dumb thing to say, uh, in retrospect. And yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, good for him for, for landing the spot. But I mean, if you're, I mean, I, I also, you, I mean, Lindgren may be very comfortable with Neuer and, and, and knows what he can get out of him, but it does feel a little bit like, I don't know, frankly, it feels like a little bit of a reach for Oregon state yeah. given the qu- other quarterbacks that were, were available at any one given time in the transfer portal, you know, I, I didn't look, I mean, some of the folks that are getting, I mean, I mean, he's, he's probably getting a scholarship, but like some of the, we're at the point where on some of these schools where guys are getting, you know, they're announcing they're going to the school, but they're getting like a preferred walk-on offer. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, And with Oregon state, good offensive line coach, you you know, most of the players return, you have um, some interesting pieces at running back. You have some decent pieces and some interesting pieces at wide receiver. Like, I just think that that's a fairly, I mean, it is Oregon state, but it's fairly attractive. I, I think some of the, some of the more foundational pieces, like for you to make a smart business decision um, would make Oregon state more attractive than I think some other programs. Um, if you're that mid tier type of quarterback, that's looking for a change and, and a shot. Um, Cause I just, you know, Jebby is fine, but I just don't think he's going to really raise that offense to another level. But um, you know, that's what I have. Sometimes you just don't get the transfers. So um, here we are. Um, I guess the last thing would be that the division, you know, structure of the PAC 12 might be getting the side eye from the new commissioner here, Rob. Yeah. Uh, John Wilner had reported this out you know, the PAC 12 was going to look at 
both doing away with divisions um, as well as potentially going down to eight conference games. Hell and that yeah. generated a lot of interest around, uh, I have a hard time seeing either of those things happening, but you know, I think, I think that there are, that there are, I think there are good reasons for, you know, uh, if, if you are trying to get into the playoff, there are good reasons for doing both of those things, you know? And I think if you are, I, I mean, what I think will, you know, and, and there are some very off the field things that might stop them from happening, which we can get to, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. What did you think of the, uh, the idea of, 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 I mean, cause you'd end up like the, the, I guess when I thought it out, I thought, cause you have like in the, you'd have like a protected game, if you will, you know, where you, you're, you know, you're always going to play, you know, this rival. But I honestly think that because of USC and all the other California schools, you know, like they already basically put in that they have those protected games against Stanford and Cal, which would annoy the hell out of everyone else in the North <laughs> because they get fewer trips to LA, you know, so my guess would be that the Pac-12 would end up in something like pods because the, you know, USC and UCLA would insist on keeping their, you know, Cal and, you know, Stanford games. And then you'd have the Arizona schools in with the mountain schools. And then you'd have, you know, the Northwest schools together in a pod. And so you'd have those games and then you just, you know, rotate through the rest of the schedule. Um, and then you'd match up the top two teams by record, you know, in the conference championship game every year. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, does that sound about how would, I mean, I guess like, I mean, I, I, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, USC and UCLA and Stanford Cal would probably insist on that again, but, um, well, they can suck know, it. Maybe not. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> right. you want to be in the playoff, get in line. Um, I think that's kind of, and that's why a good commissioner is important and we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they can all, right. I think it, you mentioned that they need nine votes to make a change. But they do. I, I think the commissioner, that's where the commissioner comes into the line where he can really ratchet up that pressure on some of these teams. Like, hey, look, this is where we're at. Um, it's also weak leadership. The, the problem that we see, I mean, we've talked about in the past, like USC, you know, if they ever wanted to leave the conference, I think they have some juice there to be able to do that if they yeah. if they ever wanted to. But I don't know if, if that decision is going to be based on, on this, you know, uh, this vigorous... <laughs> this vigorous like you know uh, rivalry with california football like do you do you play that card for that or because frankly well, like i grew up in california um i always liked ucla i followed UC usc football i never saw any rivalry between those two teams in the in the northern schools as like a major rivalry outside of when both teams were really good by happenstance so like they could I just think those teams can whine and moan all they want about having those games. But at the end of the day, the, the landscape is changing and it just is, and they're going to have to get in line or, or fall further behind. Uh, the one thing on the other mention, uh, the other thing that you mentioned was falling back to eight conference games. I'm really bummed. And like, I kind of assumed that would be the case, but I really wished that if they were going to go to 12 teams, that one of the, items that they pushed for was, but everybody has to have nine conference games, like no, no more of the Citadel trash. And it seems like yeah. it's going backwards where the big 10 and the pac 12 are probably going to add, you know, there's going to be a lot more Portland state being passed around, you know, like in the conference. Yeah. So, uh, which is a bummer. I, I just wish that we'd get better games and the playoff, but it seems like, you know, the easier rat road to travel is probably where we're going to end up. Well, the, the thing that might keep you from going to eight conference games is TV, right? I mean, nine conference games is nine, you know, it's, it, you know, it is an additional quality matchup to sell to TV partners. I mean, that's why they did it in the first place. I mean, it's not, it's not some incredible, like, I mean, that's why the big 10 did it. That's why the PAC 12 did it. You know, I believe the ACC is going to, to nine games as well. The SEC hasn't done it because they can generate plenty of money off eight <laughs> conference yeah. games, um, you know, so they don't feel the kind of pressure that the other conferences have. But it, it is a matter of, you know, adding in additional inventory. And and that's going to be a trade off that the Pac-12 is going to have to think about. It's not just, you know, when people go around, you know, acting like the Pac-12 just did this to itself, despite itself. It's not. They, they did it to make more money on the TV contract. Um as we go into yet another round of TV negotiations, whether the Pac-12 has <clears throat> nine games 
guaranteed against power five opponents or not <laughs> is, is going to be a sticking point. And it's not that easy. I mean, if you're out in the pack 12 to schedule in, you know, an additional quality game, right? I mean, there's not that, there's not that many, you know, already games may be available. And I, you know, the big, it's unlikely the big 12, which is at 10 teams is going to drop their full round Robin, which means you're going to be, if you're going to try to schedule in another power five, it's, you know, from the big 10 ACC SEC, that's a long way to travel um, and figure out the scheduling on, you know, not that I'm not saying it's impossible. It is totally doable, but it will be interesting to see whether, you know, the logistical questions and the dollar questions, I think drive that more. Um, but I, it's interesting. Like if, so last time in the pack, when the pack 12 became the pack 12 USC traded equal di- and UCLA to some extent traded equal distribution of the TV and, you know, the gate revenues in return for preserving those, those game, what they said they were their rivalry games against Stanford and Cal. So it was not, I mean, for USC, it was not an insubstantial chip, right? I mean, they gave up something pretty good in order to keep that. If they were willing to give that up and, just only protect the game against UCLA. I think you could actually end up being more likely to do away with divisions because the stopping point, if you were to do pods, right? Like if, if they, if they said that they had to have that game against, you know, Stanford and Cal in there is that Arizona and Arizona state and Utah and Colorado are not going to vote to go to LA a lot less often, (laughs) you know, and they would have four votes and be able to stop it. Um, I mean, everybody in the North, you know, um, you know, all those four teams would be more than happy with this setup because they would get it to LA a little more often, um, you know, in, in that case. But that's, I mean, that's sort of like that, that would actually like if, if, if the LA school, I mean, and the LA schools are the real power here. You know, and deciding. I mean, it, I mean, now Stanford and Cal, of course, also have votes. Um, but if the LA schools decided that they were willing, to, and Stanford and Cal were willing to give up those games, um, you know, played every year, then yeah, I mean, then you could then you could see it happen more often because then all the schools are going to go through LA more often. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that too, uh, because the cop. I mean really this playoff talk and it's been on every podcast for like two weeks. So we don't have to go too deep. I, into that. I yeah. hate the playoff talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dig the 12 and that's kind of all that. Great. Go ahead and do it. It'll be fun at the, at, I think the bigger thing with the conference is just how everybody adapts to the new environment because it is one and we'll have to keep an eye on that. But we have a lot of non-conference games to cover here, Rob, and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. And so is air travel. So are hotels. America's back, Rob. America's back. Heck and yeah. <laughs> non-conference games. We're going to go into them. We're going to do three more this week. Go through all of them. Pick out the best games. Um, and there's some really interesting ones, Rob. Let's start. We were talking a little bit about Cal. So let's talk about them right now because they have a, an interesting away game against TCU and then some home games against Nevada and uh, and Sacramento State. Um, but let's start with this, uh, let's start with this, I think, I guess it would be September 4th game against Nevada. Yeah. I mean, Nevada took a big step forward offensively last season. <clears throat> Hal Mummy's son is their offensive coordinator. They've got a good quarterback in Carson Strong. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think this will be, you know, in, in some ways from a, like a group of five power five matchup. This is, this is a somewhat interesting matchup. Beta rank has Nevada projected at number 81 overall. I mean, their record's been, you know, Nevada's record and improvement, like the Mountain West has been down for a couple of years running, much as the Pac-12 had been. 
Um, so Cal's a, you know, an 11 and a half point favorite at home in beta rank in this game. You know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see where Cal's, you know, cause I, I think Nevada's offense, you know, throwing the football around will be good enough to, to, to stress Cal a little bit. Um, you know, but you know, we, we've talked about for a while, the real weakness of that Cal defense has been, you know, stopping the run and, and Nevada's not going to test you there. That's true. At the same time, I mean, 11 and a half points with a, I mean, this is a quarterback that people are talking about being like the first two rounds. And that yeah. always worries me about any team <laughs> that's an underdog being able to at least put up points. I mean, Cal secondary is pretty good, uh, but you know, maybe in that middle they're they're able to, to kind of challenge those linebackers, maybe force them to put another cornerback on the field. Uh, well, they certainly will, will do that. And I'm just curious how strong that depth is after, you know, the first couple of corners are on there. It just seems like Nevada should be able to stretch the field a little bit. How's their defense though? Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really, you know, I think one of the, you know, like Cal's Cal's offense really should be able to, to get it going. You know, I, I expect in this game, um, you know, against the Wolfpack, I don't, I don't expect that Nevada, I mean, their, their defense finished 71 last year. I mean, their offense, I mean, we say like took a big step forward. They finished at 57 last year. It's not like they were even like a top 50 offense in beta rank. So, I mean, they, I, I think with strong back and another year with mommy calling plays, you know, I think they have a shot to to maybe break into as like a top 30 offense. It'll be a solid test for where Cal's defense, I think, really is. But, you know, like their their defense wasn't great. 71 overall. Cal should be able to put up points. Their special teams were really bad, grading out at 101. Um, you know, and that really hurt. You know, like Cal should have a pretty significant advantage in hidden yards in this game. Okay. We'll see, though. We'll see. I, that, that big-time quarterback coming in. Um, yeah. I think that makes the game more intriguing. And I think, you know, Cal should be able to win this game, but if Nevada comes in and just challenges them a little bit, plus that Bill Musgrave offense, let's see what it is. Um, yeah. I, I tend to be more, more bullish on, uh, on the quarterback at Cal and just, just being able to move the ball. They have the running backs too. So they should be able to put up points. Um, but man, I am curious to see what the line actually is when it comes out because it could be a shootout, which is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> to mention that at the Cal offense, but if Nevada's yeah. defense is really terrible and Cal's able to take advantage of the special teams, um, maybe the over is the pick there. Um, because I'm not as I'm not as bullish on the Cal defense, even the secondary. I just think a quality quarterback is going to be able to stretch that defense a little bit more than uh, some of the other teams in the Pac-12. So that's cool. Like that's that's a sneaky, interesting game actually, uh, particularly yeah. with the quarterback. So next one we have is at TCU. So this was. Was this game supposed to happen last year? I think it was on the schedule. I mean, they're, they're, this is like the Ohio State game. with or like a, the, the follow-up game is now on the schedule. Cal's had some interesting – I mean, they, they've had home-and-homes with Ole Miss, which is super fun. Yeah, yeah. TCU, I, I like it. I like what they're trying to do there to, to make that – these were probably – these are probably uh, booked when um, – you know, back when Marshawn Lynch was running back. But, you know, they've finally come to <laughs> fruition here. So what do we got in TCU? So TCU projects to be pretty good this season, 15 overall. Um, they're, they are still, you know, a, a defense first team. They finished at 10 in beta rank on the defensive side of the ball. Gary Patterson's three, three, five, I think is, is still one of the best defenses and schemes. And, you know, he's the play caller in all of college football. Uh, the story with TCU is that Sonny Cumbie, who had been their play caller for the past couple seasons, lost his job mid season last year and Doug Meacham, who had been at TCU prior took over and the offense improved a little bit. They finished at 28 overall. Um, now this is interesting for Cal though, because TCU does run the ball pretty well. Um, mm. And that's, you know, that's a little bit of a watch out. I think for, for Cal here, Doug in their quarterback at TCU, he is not, I mean, and he's, he's good with his legs too. Um, he has some downfield accuracy and decision-making issues, but a really athletic guy. Um, if he, you know, if he makes plays with his legs, like Cal, Cal could struggle, I think, against this TCU offense. Um, they were number 10 in effective rush last season. I mean, 72 in effective pass, so big, big split there. But, you know, this Cal offense could – this could be a low-scoring low game. And and I, I think TCU's offensive step forward they took last season gives them an advantage in this game. Yeah, that makes me worried. Plus, their defense is always going to be pretty solid. So yeah. you have a an offense where we still don't know, quite know what it is. 
But I can definitely see them running into some issues with a creative defense and a good defensive mind um, and, and just a team that recruits pretty well on the defensive front. So I don't know. At Fort Worth, you've been to Fort Worth, Rob? Yeah. I mean, I have, I've, I've, uh, at some point, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm big with TCU. I have, a, I have a buddy that does like TCU podcasts, and he's an alum. Uh, he and I talk quite a bit. I will eventually go to see a game at Eamon Carter Stadium. Is that going to be Cal, though? Not the, I think we're in, I think we're going to be in Columbus for Oregon. Oh, uh, oh yeah. That we'll get to that, that. day. <laughs> like, uh, we'll be, we will be sitting around, uh, watching perhaps, but, um, Beta Ray got it as almost six points. TC was a favorite. Okay. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, we have bigger Fisher fry on the 11th. So, uh, <laughs> we'll be previewing that game here in a moment. Um, okay, cool. Really interesting game though. Fort Worth, by the way, man, it's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah. I, I love, I loved, I love Texas. I'm a big fan of Texas. I'm not a big fan of the cities in Texas. They're fine. Like I just, you know, and if, if you're from Fort Worth, God bless you. I'm sure there's places that, that take us if we go out there that uh, would be fun, but, um, I don't know. They're just, they're there. They're, they have, they have expensive buildings. <laughs> yeah. If you have a lot of money, I'm sure Fort Worth is awesome. Uh, but <laughs> otherwise it's just kind of, it's just a, it's just a, an American city. So, um, okay, cool. Uh, I, I, well, actually, look, what do you think about Fort Worth, the city, Rob? Are you going to, as I took a giant dump on it? I mean, it's, I'm not, I would, like, I don't love most. I mean, I like Austin. I feel like everyone likes Austin. I have some crazy stories from Lubbock, but I wouldn't, go back to Lubbock for nearly all the money in the world. I, I mean, El, El Paso, <laughs> El Paso is pretty horrible. That's because they rub your kids super hipster. Uh, if you're saying El Paso is the place to be. <laughs> oh no. But unlike most of the rest of Texas, like the Mexican food in, Te- in El Paso is actually pretty good. Oh yeah. One day, one day we'll go to the Sun Bowl um, and, you know, and watch Oregon state <laughs> win six to three or that, that bowl is always terrible. It's that, that there's never been a good Sun Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, I think one year it snowed. Like that was the the Oregon State Penn Pennsylvania uh, Penn State. No, it was Oregon State and um, the guy with the mustache that was uh, coaching Pennsylvania. Dave once at a pit. Oh, yeah. pit. That's right. The three pit. three zero game. <laughs> oh Lord Almighty, that bull sucks. Uh, okay, cool. Let's move on from Cal. Let's go to let's go to Washington State here. Not gonna lie, not that not that excited about the slate here, Rob. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Utah State is, reco- I mean, as, as everywhere Gary Anderson goes, um, is recovering, crawling out of a crater. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <clears throat> Beta Rank projects them to be terrible, 124 next season. I mean, Washington State's a 21, almost 22 point favorite in that game at home. This is Utah um, State, right? You're talking about Utah State? Yeah, Utah State should be just awful. Yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> they're like uh, Washington state should be able to turn the ball over like two or three times and still win that game. I'm, I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to see, I mean, I feel like we did like for a lot of these PAC 12 teams, I'm, I'm actually pumped to see them, you know, with the full off season as well as, you know, like even getting some tune up games in. So, I mean, I'll definitely, you know, catch parts of this. This is Not my, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> minus the FCS teams sandwiched in here this is a perfect ncaa football you know 2014 campaign where you kind of cycle up right you go to utah state where you can warm up it's a terrible team but you have a new offense you kind of seeing what tools you have and uh, then you get portland state which is a buy and so i i live right by portland i have li- and i've been to portland a gazillion times to this day rob i have no idea where portland state's stadium is <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced they play in a bunker, you know, under a rogue brewery or Deschutes or something like that, uh, in, in Portland under Powell's books. But, um, we could, we could just skip that. They have Portland, but, but then like, then they have BYU, which I think is a good, it, it's one of those good, uh, barometer games for Washington state to see where they are because BYU, obviously they, they don't have the quarterback anymore. And, uh, you know, and it has been kind of up and down, but could be a quality win for them. Um, or, or they're just like a middling program, but it's kind of an attaboy win for the Pac-12. No, this one's really interesting. Washington State's projected at 37. BYU's at 34 in beta rank. But BYU, unlike everyone else, actually loses a ton of production off of last year's squad. 
Right now, BYU is an ever-so-slight one-point favorite on the road. I think what makes this game interesting is it's actually later in the season, towards the end of October, October 23rd. BYU will be breaking in a bunch of new faces, but we should have a decent handle on them, and they may have, you know, maybe sort of working in. I'm interested to see, though, I mean, Jeff Grimes, their offensive coordinator, is now the OC at Baylor. Yeah, I mean... It's tough, it's tough to get a real, like BYU, this BYU team feels like, I mean, they're definitely going to take a step back off of what they were last year, given, you know, the production losses and everything. It, I could see that this game feels about, I mean, BYU is an ever so slight favorite. I might have Washington State as a very slight favorite at home, but I wouldn't put one team really clearly ahead of the other coming in. No, this is a great game. And, and it's in the Palouse, which is like, man, BYU going to the Palouse, like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just, they're going to be tempted with so much alcohol, like so many, <laughs> so many fireball nips. Um, I mean, BYU did used to go to Laramie every year. And I mean, like if you want to talk about a really hard, another hard drinking town. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, we always made the joke, like wh- which fan base is more shocked Cal going to, to Ole Miss or Ole Miss going to Cal? Kind of similar here with BYU and Washington <laughs> State. <laughs> True. Yes. <laughs> Uh, no, that, this is a great game though. I'm really excited to watch this. And I love the fact that it's later in the season, like you mentioned, that's uh, that's pretty fun. So we'll see um, if this is a boon for Washington State going into their season. Uh, anything else on, on this schedule? I mean, it's, it's fine. Uh, I think it's a perfect schedule for Washington State, but nothing too exciting. No, I mean, there's just, you know, this is, this is a, this is a chance. I think if you're Washington State though, to, to potentially make a bull run, cause you, you should have a shot at, you know, three wins in non-conference. That's legit. Um, Okay, well, let's go from Washington State to Oregon, and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. Probably the game of the year. Probably the game of the year here with Oregon. An interesting schedule. Fresno State to start the year um, at Ohio State, which is obviously the uh, the big game. And I think, Rob, you and I are going to be going to that. So if anybody's going, by the way, let us know. I'm happy to to connect with you. Uh, we're still trying to figure out what the ticket situation is there, but no, they're not on sale yet. Like Ohio State has literally not. They are going to put, and we might, I might, I might end up do, doing this. We'll see what the prices are. They're going to put out mini plans at the beginning of August, and towards the like middle of August, single game tickets will finally go on sale. That's smart. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like there are. Yeah. I mean, demand is high. <laughs> I thought I'm like, you know, it's it's a I know that the governor has been fairly cautious, but I was like, it's a red state, Rob. They're not selling single single game tickets. Like, no, no, no they're just going to make a lot of money from this. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, they're, okay. they're going to they're going to make you buy. A, I mean, I live in Columbus, so like I will, you know, use some of the plan. I don't know too much about this team um, and I haven't really followed them. I know that we did a preview of them when they played USC like two years ago, but I just totally if is this team good? Have they fallen off? Sometimes they're kind of sneaky. Um, I know the Carr brothers obviously were, were pretty solid, but then the program, I don't know, where's the program right now? They're, you know, they're kind of improving. I mean, they, they had, a, um, you know, hired in Kalen DeBoer, the former offensive coordinator at Indiana to be the head coach. Um, and he got one of the Jakes to transfer from Washington, Jake Hayner. Legit. Legit. <laughs> yeah. He got, he got a Jake while, you know, off of the discount rack. Off the transfer. At the offense last season, they were at 75 overall in beta rank. Um, but they had a pretty big run pass split. They were at 41 in effective pass, 109 in effective rush. I think they have an opportunity. I mean, DeBoer was a really good play caller at Indiana. Um, and, and Hayner looked pretty good, uh, you know, in this offense. I mean, I, I think they have a I think they have an opportunity to maybe be a top fifty offense in this game. I mean, we're not talking like an amazing offense, but enough to give Oregon at least a a little bit of a test, right? I mean, uh, you know, a, a, against what could be at least a a, a decent ish Mountain West team. Uh, but the defense is really bad, one hundred three overall. Oregon, um, you know, should be able to work out the kinks <laughs> offensively. You know, and 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 I think uh, you know before before they get to to go to you know Ohio Stadium. I'm gonna have to look at those the Baderick numbers on this again because my initial knee jerk reaction was, oh, this might be an over game as well, where you know you have a decent quarterback, you have a good play caller. There is though, I, I'm I'm likely not betting on this game. There is a world where Oregon just figures out the defense and the offense is just not good, not talented. I mean, not good enough, but not talented enough 
to make a dent into Oregon and and the game could get really ugly. But oh yeah. But I'm anyway, I'm just, I'm just curious to see like if they have a couple play players that can play if their offensive line is okay. You know, having a good play caller could at least keep this game close, but it seems like Baderank has yeah. us at like 24 and a half points, you know, in favor yeah. of Oregon. Yeah, this is I mean, I, you know, Hainer better get the ball out because I expect Oregon's pass rush to be improved and, you know, Thibodeau to be ready to, to go. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Do not, hold, do not hold the football. I mean, people spend too much time, like, there's in, in college or in, you know, football in general, it's, um, you don't need a great, you, if you're going to be throwing the ball around, you don't necessarily need a great offensive line. You just need an offensive line that is good enough to give your quarterback the time for how long it takes him to process. And that's different for other, you know, for lots of different quarterbacks. I don't know uh, how good Fresno State's offensive line has to be, but Hainer, I think regardless, Hainer better be getting the ball out quick because I think Oregon's going to be ready to, to to rush the passer pretty heavily in this game. We'll have to take a look and see who the running backs are, and because a you could run against Oregon last year. Um, oh yeah, you could. and b could those running backs catch some passes in the backfield because that might be a quick, um, you know, five six yards just to be able to to keep that keep those chains moving and keep the ball away from Oregon's offense. So I'm curious to see. Well, I mean, if Oregon, if Oregon gives up points in this game, I mean, that line against Ohio state could open big, you know, for the opening week line. Yeah. Um, You know, like maybe double digits because I mean, the real questions, I mean, I think the Oregon offense will be Anthony Brown does have some downfield accuracy issues, but he does make the right read. And that's something that they certainly struggled with last year um, with Shuck. So making the right read is 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 more important of the two. <laughs> He's going to be a little bit, you know, being a little bit off, you know, is is better than just not even making the right pass. You know, I I, I think that they'll be able to put up plenty of points against this Fresno State team. I am probably going to watch this game. I mean, some to see how the offense works with Brown and Moorhead, but more to see what Oregon's defense really looks like before they head into the shoe. Okay. Well, let's move to the game of the year for the Pac-12. Oregon going all the way to Columbus, Ohio to take on Ohio State. Number six in beta ranking, it's number five. And this game, Rob, like we talked about at the beginning of the, the podcast, 10-point line right now. And I don't know if beta rank sees it that way. I mean, beta rank has the Buckeyes as a favorite. It's basically got them at the home field advantage, two points. Um, you know, this is, you know, really looks for the most part like a toss-up, uh, you know, between between the two teams. You know, slight Ohio State, you know, Ohio State's at five, Oregon's at six. You know, but Ohio State last season, I mean, the offense was really good. I mean, there's not, there's no taking away from it. I mean, the offense was really good under Day again. Um, you know, they were number two in beta rank overall. Uh, he has just an incredible run game, number one, an effective rush. I mean, Ohio State runs the ball as effectively as like Navy runs the football, uh, but they also throw the ball pretty well. They were at 20 in effective pass. You know, this is going to, I, I think even with, you know, a new quarterback coming in um, and when you talk about, you know, the Buckeyes certainly do have, you know, they don't have a return, a ton of returning production on either side of the ball. They've got 50% of their offensive production coming back. They do return some good pieces on the offensive line. I mean, I think Ryan Day's run scheme and their offensive line coaching, if Oregon has not cleaned up their run defense, this is going to get ugly. I mean, because like if Ohio State can run the ball, they're they're going to score all over you because then all that opens up is keying off the run game. You know, like you know, Ohio State's a lot of their passing attack is option routes going deep, um, and they have a great wide receiver core coming back. <laughs> so, well, like Ohio, Oregon better be able to without having to bring safeties down. You know, control Ohio State's run game. I'm 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 so excited about going to this game. If and like if Oregon can keep it close, this game projects nationally. And I think any loss is like it it just doesn't matter how close it is. I think it's just like, oh, it's early in the year, Ohio State's just getting their kinks out, even though even if uh Oregon really takes it to them and and plays well, I just think this game's going to get forgotten if they don't win. And like outside of the Michigan, I don't even know if Michigan's going to be good next year. This is 
by far, I think the premier game for the conference and man, it would just be such a big boost if, if they were able to pull it off. It's just a bummer that it's in Columbus. Like if this was in Eugene, man, I think they'd be in a, in an interesting spot. And I, I just, it's a lot to overcome to go out there and, and win in front of like 175,000 people, however big that stadium is. Well, and it's, you know, like the, I think the vulnerability for Ohio state is the defense wasn't very good last year. Um, they finished at 28 overall in beta rank, <clears throat> you know, they, they really struggled in, in, in against the pass. Um, this felt like the first year in a long time that Ohio state didn't have a pass rusher that was selected in the first round, you know, and, and they did struggle to generate pass rush. They struggled in coverage. Um, you could argue Kerry Combs, their offense or the defensive coordinator struggled in his first year. It's a very sore point with Buckeye fans who don't like me for pointing this out <laughs> in my Ohio state preview video. But I mean, the Buckeye, I mean, I, Ryan day is truly one of the best offensive coordinators in the business right now. Um, I don't think I have full confidence. This offense is going to be pretty good. Um, you know, for the Buckeyes, I think it really does come down to, you know, how good is this defense? Cause I really do think in year two of Moorhead and with Anthony Brown, you know, making the right reads, I think Oregon's going to, going to be a lot more dangerous offensively than we saw last year. Oh yeah. I think they'll challenge him. Um, this might be the over, right. Particularly if, if, uh, Oregon doesn't get yeah. that run defense down. I mean, Ohio State's going to get theirs. I, I trust that. I'm sure that quarterback's going to be fine. Um, and but but that defense has been a, a bit of a bugaboo for for Ohio State. And yeah, I, I think Anthony Brown is going to put up points for this offense. So I just think that he'll be able to be pretty competent and and making sure that they're competitive. So cool. Well, I'm excited about that. Rob, do you know where Stony Brook is? Their third game. Isn't that New York? Yeah, you got it. I I my guess was <laughs> <laughs> my guess was Fayetteville, Arkansas. That was just. I just for some reason thought that, I just looked up biggest cities in Arkansas and thought maybe they'd be in one of those, but uh. <laughs> I like I think it's somewhat is it somewhat close to New York City? I think that's the only reason I know it. Yeah, I think so. Well, it's such a bizarre game though. Like of all the FCS teams, you get some schmucks to to get on a plane, fly across the country to play at Eugene, and just get waxed by sixty points. Like, couldn't they pick on you know, I don't know, Eastern Washington or something here, Rob? Oh my God. It's on Long Island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. That is, I mean, like you gotta, like you gotta drive all the way into like either JF, like you know, JFK or LaGuardia, get on a plane and then fly to Oregon to just get whooped. Oh man. That is rough. <laughs> like hopefully it's worth the paycheck fellas. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There was this uh, a few years ago, Maine. I don't know if they played in Hawaii or if it was like San Diego state but they were tracking the flight, like how many miles, it was the most miles any team had traveled for a single game. <laughs> and uh, it all, it, it was a bummer because this is why professional bettors make money because professional bettors had like quietly marked that game. And and then afterwards, of course, the Elk Oh yeah, they had to travel like 70,000 miles to, to go to, it was like, damn, I wish you would have told me that earlier. So good luck to our friends at the, uh, I thought they were the Sea Wolves. Can you be the Sea Wolves? I guess they are on Long Island, right? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I guess. What is there? Yeah, the Sea Wolves. The Sea Wolves. Wow, that is <laughs> all right. Big South. Well, oh, wait, the... no, the America. No, they're the in, in the America East. Oh, uh, well, to bring this full circle, uh, you know, if we drop down to eight conference games, get get used to a lot more Stony Brook versus you know Washington and Oregon and USC. So. Oh yeah, well, I mean. It's... <laughs> I just, just FYI, I'm going to spend exactly zero minutes preparing to cover and preview any, anyone playing the FCS. I'll be like, congrats on your win. Don't pull up Mike Leach. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, um, the best games here. So, uh, so we did, we did Oregon, we did Cal and we did Washington state. Yep. I would prefer to go to Eugene over Berkeley. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put that Cal Sacramento State game at the bottom. What about you? Yeah, that's a deal. Yeah, just a little bit more character in Eugene, and it's and it's greener. And then on the the second to last, it looks like so we would have Oregon Stony Brook, and or Washington State Portland State. I'd rather go to the Palouse than Cal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got some friends in the Bay Area I could go see, I guess. But yeah, sure. Let's go to the Palouse. Let's <laughs> let's do it for that game. <laughs> it's not that I don't like San Francisco. I just um, I, I've been to. Cal. I can't believe we're making ourselves rank these FCS games. Like, oh, which would you rather go to? Like, uh, none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I'll take done. <laughs> I'd rather spend. I'd rather spend the money staying at a resort in my hometown. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. That's that's a good call. I I would put so the next one. Now that we go to the the real games here. Utah State at Wazoo. Yeah, that's not a great game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'd rather go to Berkeley to see uh, Cal Cal take on a, an interesting um, offense than go to the Palouse to watch Utah State and yeah. Gary Anderson light himself on fire. Okay. And then, so now we have, let's see, Washington State, BYU, Washington State, Nevada. I guess, I guess Nevada is the next one, right? And that, now, now we get to the interesting one. So um, we have... Cal at TCU, BYU at the Palouse, and then Fresno State and Eugene. What do you think? I mean, I think the next, you know, the bottom game would be Fresno State and Eugene, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Cal TCU, and then I mean, the other one is BYU. Like those, those, those other ones should be good games. Yeah, and and I'd prefer to go to the Palouse. I mean, I guess it's I'm biased because I'm right by Eugene. So well, not right by, but I can drive down to Eugene. Yeah. So give me BYU. Give me Fresno State at Oregon, then BYU at Washington state. Uh, although I just, I don't want to fly to, I don't want to fly to Texas. <laughs> Whatever. It's Cal TCU. I don't know. I'd, and, I'd, and you probably don't have to like, well, I mean, at least on the bright side is like, you don't have to catch a connecting flight out of Dallas. <laughs> that is true. You just go straight into Dallas. <laughs> you just get, just, just drop me, like just parachute me through the tornado into DFW. <laughs> Yeah, there are and there are two uh, two uh, airports there. Um, I'm going to agree to disagree. I would much rather go to the Palouse and watch BYU than than fly into Texas for that game. But um, I I totally understand. I can't, I, I just uh, like TCU is going to be like a top twenty five team. Like that's going to be a fun. One. Yeah, but think of how many awesome bars there are. <laughs> Washington. That's State. a cool. St- I know, but that's like a cool st- like t- like that's a cool stadium, like a TCU stadium, AMG Carter Stadium. That's true. They, and were I be- pa- they, they were a power once. Yeah, and I, and I bet you there's lots of cool bars out there too. So, um, okay, all right. Well, I'm, I'm still I'm still gonna go BYU, but I understand. I, I get the sentiment. It's just uh, it's personal preference here. And then, of course, yep. the last game being uh, Oregon at Ohio. One State. we will be at. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any for for people that are going to that game? Do you have any recommendations? Food, restaurants, you know, anything? Oh man, this is so hard because like so many places closed during COVID. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I do uh, actually have some. If you are uh, looking for like a, a good place for, there's actually a pretty decent place for tacos called Condados. There is an ex, and I just it is like right around the corner for me, which is like very very bad. Like there's an excellent sushi place just in in Kalo- I kid you not, it is right next to a Japanese market that they own. Oh, nice. A ramen place that they own. As well as they have apparently done so well doing all of this Japanese, you know, uh, cultural exchange, if you will, that there is literally a Japanese cultural exchange center that they also run and a bakery, a Japanese bakery right there, too. Oh, man. <laughs> and the sushi is, I mean, amazing uh, at Akihana. Um, it's a oh, man. It is a real bummer that the. Um, like uh oh there's a there was an excellent little place that like uh closed i'm trying to remember the name of it uh, anyway but i would also try catalina's for breakfast catalina's is great they also they have like breakfast tacos they have uh deep fried pancake balls that you can get filled with uh nutella or dolce de leche huh. <laughs> yeah, which is good <laughs> um yeah, I'll try to think of more now that I'm on the spot. But yeah, there's plenty of good places to. There's plenty like Columbus. I would say is is surprisingly is surprisingly decent place to live. I've never wanted to live anywhere this flat, but it works. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll give some more recommendations here as we get closer to the game. But thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll get into the I mean, pack. Uh huh. I'll throw a cookout if enough people come. Ooh! Oh snap! <laughs> I just got a new Weber grill. I just put in a new patio. <laughs> we'll we'll do a cookout hell yeah okay okay well looking forward to that so everybody get on the bandwagon we're headed to columbus this year 
12 pack radio uh, at 12 pack radio is our twitter feed um at sharp college football at beta rank fb and then and then check out the youtube page sharp college football on youtube where rob continues to crank through the teams i think you are at byu now right is that where you're the next one that's coming up we are i i got i got a little pause i had to do a little actual work last night so hoping to catch up uh and do byu tomorrow um and then yeah i mean hopefully that will put me on track to be done with the top 40 teams in, in beta rank coming into the season by the end of the week. Nice. Nice. Tune in, check those out. Uh, Rob continues to crank them out and sharpcollegefootball.com to see all of Rob's numbers. Uh, anything you want basically is on that site. And, uh, and the, the data is really good and really fun to look through. So thanks again for tuning in everybody. And we'll catch you next week.